I'd never told anyone I'd been in foster care. I shared with a coworker and they're like, oh, I thought you grew up in a middle-class family. I was like, oh, what, what am I supposed to look like? What do, what do we look like? We, we become normal people, you know? And so I started searching for other people that were like me, that had a similar story. And I found this amazing group of people. It was the Alumni Powerhouse Networking Conference that I went to. And it was a conference specifically for adults who had aged out of the foster care system. And I met attorneys and authors and store owners and uh, motivational speakers. And you name it, the gambit of people that were there, it was just like, wow, I, I finally found where I belong. Yeah. And it was at that moment that I was like, you know, we're actually pretty cool and pretty awesome. And I don't have anything to be ashamed of. I have something that can change someone's life. chance trying to say that you think this business of yours is important that's exactly the way i feel about it hi i'm lexi thanks for tuning in to small world big people a show that shares conversations stories and ideas from people just like you and me today's show is exactly why i started this podcast if you listen closely you just might see the world a little differently than you did before it inspired me to be more compassionate and change the narrative i've always had around foster care Today's guest is Kimberly Rath, the founder and executive director of Foster Alumni Mentors, a nonprofit that creates community for people who have aged out of the foster care system. During the show, Kim shares how she applied her story and her passion in a way that can change people's lives. Are you ready? Me too. Let's dive in. Hi, Kim. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today on the show. How are you? I am doing pretty darn good today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks again. Um, so I met you around the time when you were first starting Foster Alumni Mentors. I think that was around 2017, FAM for short. Um, and I remember you telling me your story and telling me about FAM. And it was amazing to hear how you paired your passion and life story to create an organization that makes such a positive impact on people. Um, so I think a great place to start is what is FAM <laughs> and who does it serve? So FAM is a nonprofit organization and we serve young adults and some older adults. We don't really put an age cap on it because it's an experience that they've had their whole life, but it's adults who experience the foster care system. Some of them aged out of foster care. Some of them were in foster care for a short period of time and were able to be reunified. Um, some of them guardianship was granted to a relative or um, a family friend. So all these kids, what they have in common is that they were in foster care and have this immense feeling of loss and uh, less self-worth and feeling like they were abandoned, uh, don't have any support system. So it's, it's something that connects them all through that shared experience. Mm -hmm. um, and so Really, we work to build community around them so that they have a place where they can celebrate wins, a place where they, they can share struggles and challenges and get advice and just have a group of people there that will wrap around them unconditionally and just be there as a support for them. 
Yeah. All right. Well, I think there are many of us who take our situation for granted. Um, I know that I can call my mom whenever I need, and I'm a full grown adult. Uh, in fact, last week I called her and asked her if I could sub sour cream for milk in my meatloaf recipe. <laughs> um, she's the one that helped me move into my first apartment, um, made sure I had bedding, food, the works. And if I had any questions, she was just one phone call away. So what sort of challenges do you see your younger audience experiencing um, and how do you help them? It'd be great to hear like an actual story if you can share something. Yeah, so, you know, it's exciting when you're a teenager and you're getting ready to enter college and like it's a new adventure, a new journey that you're on. And they have this thing called student orientation day. And it's typically something where parents get to go with their kids and tour the college campus and learn all these things and write a cute little sweet note to their kids that they'll get a couple months into college. And uh, kids, when they age out of foster care, they come from kind of a strict situation where they have all these rules and regulations that they have to abide by because of legislation and liability and wanting to make sure that they're safe and taken care of. But then they leave and they go to college and they, one, they don't have a parent there to do the orientation with them. But two, like they're just thrown into this world of freedom without a support system. And so that was one of the things we got to do with a few of our alumni that we serve. They were going off to college and they asked if they would go to, if we would go to their parent oh. student orientation with them. So I got to be a part of that experience with them. They got to have somebody there with them. And then I also got to write a sweet little note that they got a few months into it. So that was, that was really neat and encouraging. Uh, the other thing is, you know, these kids, they're aging out of foster care and wanting to go out on their own and get an apartment and do all this stuff on their own. But a lot of places won't rent to kids without a co-signer because they have no credit, they have no history or anything like that. And so that's something else that they struggle with. Uh, is finding a co-signer. So we're able to work with those youth and with the landlords and share with them what, you know, we're willing to do and be a part of. We don't necessarily co-sign, but we're willing to vouch for them and work with them and the landlord together. Okay. What's the typical situation for someone who ages out of the foster system? I mean, what does that look like? Well, I don't, I can't say that there's a typical situation um, because they're all going to be different situations. We are very fortunate here in Mesa County. So usually when you age out, age out means you've turned 18 and you've emancipated from the foster care system and you're on your own. In the state of Colorado, uh, we are a county run uh, child welfare agencies. So in other states, they may be state run and they have to age out at 18. Some states have extended it to 21. Uh, and so since we're county run, Mesa County has chosen to allow kids stay in the foster care system to the age of 21, which it just got extended to 23. Um, so some youth will, will choose to stay in and get the support system uh, from their caseworker uh, through JP services they get to stay in a foster home uh, and, and just be. What happens though is a lot of these kids, they're like, I'm done. 
with the system. I don't want to be involved anymore. I don't want to be in foster care. I want to make my own life decisions. And so they leave and they lose a lot of support that they could have. Mm -hmm. And so they struggle. Um, some end up homeless. Some end up staying with friends and it doesn't work out. Some end up going off to college, but it doesn't work because they don't have the support system in, in place to help them be successful in college. Um, so, I mean, it, it all varies case to case on who the kid is. Yeah. In past conversation, you mentioned you were in foster care growing up. What did that look like for you? Yeah. So for me, we were one of the families, the kids that kind of, we call it fall through the cracks. Mm -hmm. um, we had been known to child welfare in other states, uh, but nobody ever, ever intervened. And my mom moved us from state to state. Uh, I went to like eight different schools when I was in middle school and didn't technically finish eighth grade, <laughs> but we moved to the state of Minnesota and I was enrolled in ninth grade. And in this town, so we moved from big cities like Seattle, Washington, Salt Lake City, Utah, Las Vegas, Nevada, to the middle of nowhere. I kid you not. It was a town of like 315 people. <laughs> there were, I think, 35 people in my graduating class. And I always said the town knew everything about you before you knew about you. <laughs> and so um, it was the first time that anybody actually paid attention to what was going on in our family. And at the age of 14, um, my stepdad, my mom and stepdad had a drug and alcohol problem and they had gone out drinking the night before and it was a school day the next day. And so I went into their room to get clean clothes and my dad, my stepdad had slammed me into the wall. And at, at this point I was just done with it. And I went to my counselor, I had a bruise on my leg and a knot on my head and went to my counselor and he called child welfare and law enforcement and they came and they removed my siblings and I and put us all in, in foster care and then my mom and my stepdad had went to treatment. Um, so we were in foster care for about a year that time and uh, it was great. My, our foster mom, she was fantastic. She's just a sweet, sweet woman. Her name's Teresa. And I was actually able to reconnect with her on Facebook and share with her kind of what's been happening in our lives since then. Um, and then, you know, we went back to my mom and my stepdad, we moved around again, and then moved back to, I, I lived with a cousin for about a year in Seattle because my mom and stepdad had gone back to drinking and using drugs and um, went and lived with them in Seattle. And then we moved back to Minnesota and I was removed again at the age of 17 um, until I graduated high school. And they, it was it was weird because back in 1995, there were also a lot of rules around foster care. Because I had graduated, they sent me back to my parents um, instead of it being, okay, you're in until you're 18 you're our responsibility, but no, they, they said you graduated and you have a week to find a place to go. What'd you do? <laughs> um, <laughs> right. I know it's, it's like, what do you do? So I was asking friends if I could stay with them. Um, and my, this, again, I was in Minnesota, but my mom and my stepdad lived in Colorado at the time that I graduated and they showed up unannounced 
came to my graduation, loaded up all my stuff and moved me out to Colorado. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. So and kind of a, a wild and crazy uh, ride, but you know, they've, they've got more rules and legislation in place to protect kids uh, for a longer period of time, which is good. That must have been really hard. I mean, as a young, like you're already so emotional as a teenager, you know, things are so much more, um, things seem so much worse than they really are. And I mean, you were obviously going through a really hard time. So how did that feel at the time? I mean, what was that like for you as a, as a person? It was, it was difficult, but it was also better than what I had. Uh, if that makes sense for me, foster care was a saving grace. Mm -hmm. um, it provided for me a safe place and uh, knowing that I knew where my food was coming from. I knew I didn't have to walk on eggshells. Uh, I knew that we weren't gonna just up and leave and disappear over in the middle of the night to go somewhere else. Um, you know, when, when we had returned home the first time and my mom and stepdad went back to using again, we literally left two weeks before the end of 10th grade. Mm -hmm. And we all hopped, packed into this car. And if you can picture a little Chevy Chevette, like a 1977 Chevy Chevette or something <laughs> with two adults, three kids and three dogs and all our belongings. <laughs> Uh, and we, we went to South Dakota, Idaho, and then we ended up in Colorado. Um, you know, it was stability for me being in foster care, knowing what was going to happen, what to expect. And it wasn't, it wasn't uh, a surprise anymore, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. I get, I could see how that would be, that'd be really hard to I mean, it's so nice. Like I was so fortunate to have grown up, you know, going to school. I still have friends that I was friends with since I was five. So I grew up, you know, elementary school that fed to the middle school that fed to the high school. And I just, I, my teachers knew me and, you know, and th there was a lot of stability in that and a lot of community, you know? Um, and it was, it's been, it's been really helpful. So I can see how that would be super challenging, but fast forward to today or kind of leading up to fam, how did you, what spurred this idea? How did you get here? So I, when, when my, my parents brought me to Colorado and transplanted me here, um, I, they ended up leaving again. And so I was here all by myself and I was working three jobs. So I was working at Dairy Queen and Orchard Mesa and it was owned by Tony and Marie Martinez. I was working at Daylight Donuts and then I was also working in a tanning salon just so that I could, like, I was in survival mode, you know? And so Tony Martinez had asked me if I was interested in attending college. He didn't know my story or anything. And so I was like, well, sure, why not? You know? So they helped me with enrolling. They helped me, they took me out to breakfast the morning of my ACT. So they were just good hearted human beings, right? And so fast forward, 12 years later, I ended up graduating from college and I wanted to go back and work in child welfare and give back to those people who essentially saved my life. Mm -hmm. And I went to work in child welfare and I saw all these teens 
and they were experiencing the same things I experienced 20 years ago. They were going out and they were aging out and they would be homeless because I was, after my parents had left, I was homeless for a, a while. I, you know, was couch surfing, never really had a home. And these kids, they're throwing up their hands in the air and saying, why should I bother trying? I'm just going to be like my mom and dad, or I'm just going to be another statistic. And it was, it was heartbreaking. And I realized as I started sharing my story with them, they were like, really, I can, I can do that too. Like it was, it was eye-opening because these kids, they hear about all the negative statistics and they don't hear the success stories unless it's like a success story. That's like, TV, you know, made for TV type material. And it's like, that's not obtainable, but really what's attainable is success in your own mind and going to work every day, uh, breaking the cycle of abuse and neglect. And we have to redefine what success looks like for these kids and uh, inspire hope with them and share our stories. And so I'd never told anyone I'd been in foster care. I shared with a coworker and they're like, oh, I thought you grew up in a middle-class family. I was like, oh, what, what am I supposed to look like? What do, what do we look like? We, we become normal people, you know? And so I started searching for other people that were like me, that had a similar story. And I found this amazing group of people. It was the Alumni Powerhouse Networking Conference that I went to. And it was a conference specifically for adults who had aged out of the foster care system. And I met attorneys and authors and store owners and uh, motivational speakers and you name it, the gambit of people that were there. It was just like, wow, I, I finally found where I belong. Yeah. And it was at that moment that I was like, you know, we're actually pretty cool and pretty awesome. And I don't have anything to be ashamed of. I have something that can change someone's life. So that's where the seed was planted to, to start this nonprofit to inspire hope in these kids and provide a support system and a place of belonging for them. That's so incredible. It's just you're changing the story behind what people think of when they think of foster care. It's does it's I think. I mean, to be honest, my my perception before I met you wasn't necessarily a positive situation. I, I thought like that was a terrible situation. You know, I couldn't imagine it. And to hear that it was actually a good thing for you, it provided stability. And then to also hear like you talking about all the amazing things that they're just normal people, you know, they go on to do amazing things and you just really help change the narrative. And it's, uh, I, I just really um, feel inspired. Um, by that. It's amazing that you did that. You know, it's, it's definitely, I look back at it and I'm like, there's so many times that I've wanted to quit because it's so hard, all the things you have to do and put in place and, you know, to make sure that you're in compliance with things. And the IRS makes it difficult to just go and help people. It feels like, but you know, it's, it's one of those things when I see these kids and I know the impact and difference it's making in their lives. It's like my, my, my struggles and my trials that I've gone through in the, my life and the chaos that I've endured is so that these kids can know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and like keep pushing forward because things get better because we're in control of that. 
so um that's that's incredible it's it's amazing that you know you were able to like recognize first of all recognize a problem and then come up with a solution um are you the are there other organizations similar to you that you found or um what does that look like so there are some across the u.s um in the state of colorado i have found one other one in the Denver area, uh, and it's similar but different because it's not—it's not a, a program that was started by anyone that was in the foster care system. Uh, it's through United Way. It's called Bridging the Gap, and they provide coaches for the youth that they serve. Um, but there is there are other organizations such as uh, in the state of Ohio in Cleveland um, called the Purple Project. And they are founded by Latasha Watts, who she was in foster care and she has an amazing story too. Like I can tell you amazing story after amazing story of these kids. Um, but you know, there, there's a program in the state of California called Aging Up that mentors kids that are currently in foster care and up. Um, so they're, they're here and there, but there aren't a whole lot, but I think there's a lot more awareness around of it. Okay. Um, in a previous conversation, you mentioned when you first started FAM, you initially thought like outside mentors is what the alumni needed, but it turns out that wasn't the case. Um, can you explain more what you discovered and how you changed things to meet your meet your alumni's needs? Yeah. So, so when I came up with the idea, at first I was like, it would be really great if we can find other adults who are in the foster care system that are, you know, doing well in life to come back and mentor these kids, but where do you find them? Like uh -huh. there, there are people out there just going, Hey, I was in foster care, you know? Um, so that, that was when I decided to expand upon it and go, well, you know, Tony and Marie, they weren't in foster care and they were the ones that helped me. And so maybe we open it up to the community and anyone who has a heart for kids that are in foster care or were in foster care, they can't foster kids, but they can mentor them. So we reached out and we had like 30 people. They were like, yes, I would love to do this. But then I didn't have the kids that wanted to be mentored. Um, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic because you think of kids that are in foster care, all the trauma that they've experienced, the loss that they've endured every time they're moved from one home to the next, or they have a new caseworker or a new therapist, it's introducing all these new people into their life. And they're just wondering when they're gonna leave again. Mm -hmm. And so that one-on-one -on -one mentoring piece just did not work out because these kids were like, well, what's, what's mentoring? And so I'd explain it to them and they're like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. So, <laughs> um, but what we did find has worked really, really well is what we call fam time, which is our peer-to-peer -peer mentoring. And so it's all the kids, all the young adults from 18 to, I think our oldest is 38. We all get together once a month and they really value that time together. They look forward to seeing each other and being able to just openly talk about their life and what's going on and not feeling judged because they're around people who have that same lived experience and 
they're not having to explain their story again. They're not having to try and get somebody to understand why they still love their parents, even though maybe they, they, they've had a really difficult time with them. You know, it's, it's just a, a safe space for them to be themselves and share. Um, I love how you didn't stay anchored to your original idea and like miss the boat. Um, so I think like so many people stay attached to that first idea and like try to make it work. They just like keep hammering away at the wrong solution. Right. Um, and you, you, you totally were, you were just malleable and we're like, well, this isn't working. And actually this is working. How has that mindset and way of thinking helped you in other ways in the organization? Well, I'm always open to trying new things, but ultimately the ones that we serve are the kids. And if it's like an idea that I come up with, I always run it by them. Like I want their input. I want their feedback uh, because all their life they've been told, no, you have to do this. No, this is what's best for you. No, you need therapy. You need to go into a sport. You need to do that. And so it's helped me to be able to say, take that step back and think, is this something that I want or is this something that they want? And so through that, you know, I, I will send out different questionnaires to them or share different ideas with them. Uh, something that we have found though is there is no mom's group for moms that were previously in foster care. Like, and that's, that's a huge thing. And so they have been a part of helping to figure out and establish what it what would be great for them what what information would you like to have what what programming what would you like for that to look like and so they have input into it and they're able like they have the buy-in and I think that's what's really important is that buy-in and so anything that we do with fam we always include the alumni now that's awesome so you're including the alumni and you're, you're working with those people. What's, I think as someone who is, isn't familiar with the, the foster care system, um, what would be something that would be really important for someone like me to know um, so that I could be more compassionate or, um, or I could help or different things like that? That's a really great question. Uh, <laughs> I wish I knew the answer to that. <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's really, they just want to fit in. They want to be normal. They want to not be misrepresented anymore. Um, and again, I, I think TV and movies and shows and the news and social media can really Put a negative connotation or that stigma on kids that were in foster care. Um, typically, you know, if, if somebody were to come into your home and say, yeah, that, this is my friend, they were in foster care, come on in, the first instinct for somebody might be to put their purse away mm -hmm. or, um, you know, just be a little bit more cautious around them. And it's, it's, it makes me sad that that happens because a lot of times when you see a news of something bad happens, 
the person had been in foster care, they'll say foster kid yeah. does this. Yeah. So I think the best thing that we can do is really try to understand someone's story um, and not ask. This is a, a question that I've been asked before. What would you do to have to go into foster care? Oh, yeah. um, when reality, it wasn't, it wasn't anything I did. It wasn't me. It was my parents' choice. Um, and, you know, just listening, I think, is the biggest thing when it comes to these kids, uh, giving them an opportunity to grow. Uh, we have one alumni member because these, again, I go back to that self-worth piece, right? You know, they, they have this trauma. They have all this loss. They want to know why they weren't good enough for their parents. Um, and so they continue to struggle with that as they go through life. And we have this one alumni who's a single mom, and we had a community member reach out and say, do you have any, any kids uh, in your organization that are looking for a job? I said, tell me what kind. And so she went through and she told me what kind. And I said, you know what, I think I have somebody for you. Mm -hmm. So I connected them and it has been a phenomenal growth experience for this, this mom. Uh, she's been able to learn all kinds of new things. And when a position, a different position opened up, uh, she was encouraged to apply for it. And it was like a life-changing position. And she is, she's thrilled, but she still doesn't have that self-belief. Right. And so reminding them that they matter and that they're valued and that they have value to add to other people's lives, I think it's, it's huge too. Going back to changing that story, such amazing work. <laughs> yeah. um, how about the most important piece of advice you'd offer to someone who is aging out of the foster care system, or maybe someone who knows someone who is, that might not know about your organization or um, resources, I guess. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is that making sure they know they don't have to do it on their own. Um, they get stuck in this mindset that they have to do everything on their own. They have to prove something. They have to prove that they can do it all. And, um, I think reaching out for help and asking for help is probably one of the biggest things that they can do so that they know they're not alone. It, it, it goes back to, you know, you still reach out to your mom yeah. and ask you know, those, those questions. I have a 20 year old and she's still asking me questions. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where parents, I mean, they're there for their kids and their time in need. Um, and so knowing that FAM is there, we're not a typical agency. We don't, our phones don't go off at five. Mm -hmm. um, we're available to these kids not 24 seven, night and day, you know? Um, if there's an emergency, if they have a question, if it's eight o'clock at night, usually it's eight o'clock on a Sunday night when I get a message. <laughs> and it's really, really interesting. But, um, you know, there is no time limit on being a parent. And so that's the same thing for us. If it's five o'clock on a Tuesday morning, it might take me a little while to get to that message. But you know, if, if they're in need of, of somebody to talk to, um, ask questions, I mean, we've gotten all kinds of questions from when's the right time of day to do the dishes <laughs> to um, I'm subpoenaed for a court hearing and it says it's canceled, but nobody's called and talked to me. What do I do? Uh -huh. uh, and so it's, they're all varying and all different. And, you know, we've been asked to look over 
resumes. We've been asked to look over scholarship essays, uh, help with what, how do I dress for something? Um, and so I, the biggest thing is you're not alone. You matter and you're worth our time. So make sure that you're reaching out and asking for help because we're here and that's what we want to do. Thank you. Yeah. That person. That's, that's amazing what you're doing. I mean, it's, it's just makes our community a better place. And I really appreciate that. Um, like I said, these kids want to give back, you know, they're the first ones when I say, Hey, would you guys want to volunteer and do this? They're like, Oh, that's a great idea. And Oh, maybe we could do this too. Or what about that? Um, they're always coming up for ideas on giving back. You know, they, they just decided to do a give back to teens in foster care. And so we took 75 boxes, we call them inspire packages over to child welfare um, to give back to the teens that are in foster care right now. And just to let them know, hey, we, we're thinking of you. Absolutely. That's great. Well, wrapping up here, is there anything that I didn't ask or any final notes that you wanna share before we, um, before we close? Oh gosh, that's, I mean, an open-ended question right there. I could go <laughs> on and on and on. Obviously you can see I'm, I'm passionate about this, but um, you know, there are so many amazing organizations that people can look into or volunteer at, you know, even if it's not volunteering with foster alumni mentors, there are ways to help kids that are in foster care through onesimplewish.org, um, help a kid that is going into foster care because kids are still being removed from homes. And when they're removed and they don't have a bag to put their stuff in, their stuff goes into a trash bag. And what does that, what does that say to these kids that are going into foster care? They're, this is all the belongings they have and it's being put into a trash bag. So uh, comfortcases.org uh, provides a backpack with a book and pajamas and a toothbrush and soap and a stuffed animal and just things that they can have that are their own because if they don't have it when they end up at the foster home, what they're having to use somebody else's soap yeah. to wash themselves in a stranger's home of people they don't know. Um, so it just gives them that dignity back uh, once they've been removed. So there are multiple ways to get involved if people aren't able to foster. But if you can foster, that is a, a, an amazing, amazing um, opportunity to give back to these kids too. Oh, so good. Um, thank you, Kim. Thank you so much. Um, I looked at your website, so correct me if I'm wrong. It looks like if, if um, listeners want to go to fosteralumnimentors.org, um, there are plenty of ways where we can pitch in. Uh, it looks like you have a couple of volunteer positions open, um, social media. Um, yes. Any, any other positions that you have open for people to um, We need someone to help us with accounting stuff. Um, our treasurer uh, position for, for FAM, they can always, people can always help through uh, being on the board of directors if they want to give back as well as we're always looking for volunteers for our annual 0.5K race because a lot of planning goes into that too. And this year, you know, we did a virtual <laughs> and added that 5k option in for the people that actually like to run. <laughs> I did that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, there are always different ways that we can pitch into the organization to volunteer. Um, but yeah, go into our website and just looking at 
those opportunities or even emailing us and asking us how they can give up their time. Excellent. And that email is on the website, but I think it's info at fosteralumnimentors.org. Is that correct? Yep. yep, that is correct. All right. Well, cool. Thank you so much for your time today. And I'm sure we'll be in touch. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Lexi. This is awesome. Thank you for listening to Small World, Big People. I'm having a ton of fun hearing your ideas, feedback, and encouragement. I'm excited to keep recording, connecting with you, and having interesting conversations. Catch you next week.